0: The pandemic taught office workers and their companies that employees really can work at home. And now, a lot of people plan to keep doing that. How is that going to change downtown Houston, the city's biggest collection of office skyscrapers? Today, I'm talking with Christopher Larson, the president and CEO of downtown's management district, Central Houston, Inc. It is Monday, May 2nd, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray. And this is CityCast Houston. Chris, I saw you were an NC State fan. Did you go to NC State? I did. How do you know that? (laughs) I stalk you. You're a public figure. Chris, thanks for doing this.
1: Happy to be here, Lisa.
0: What would you say is the state of downtown Houston right now, as we are beginning to return to the offices, come back from the pandemic?
1: Specific to the office market, we're at about 55% uh, return to office right now, which um, as a number itself is not overly impressive. But when you look at national counterparts, you know, we're about 10 and 15 percentage points higher than a lot of other major American cities. Uh, So Texas cities are doing relatively well on that front, but we have moved beyond just concerns about health uh, and well being. As it relates to the pandemic and the virus, um, it's now more a function of just lifestyle change, adaptation, cultural preferences. Uh, that's what's really driving the difference now.
0: So, like some people like working out of their house, they like being able to, you know, work in their pajamas or turn off the Zoom.
1: Well, that's right. You know, we've, we've sort of always had different kinds of people, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. introverts or extroverts or people that are comfortable in a crowd or not comfortable in a crowd, right? But we only sort of had one style of work um, that, that needed to work for everyone. And, you know, with the advent of technology and I think just the overall competitive landscape, um, you know, it's opened up the opportunity for different styles of work and for work to, uh, to take place in different kinds of places. Um, and that's still evolving.
0: So what does that mean for a place like downtown? Are people returning or are those buildings going to be put to different uses? What do you see so far?
1: Yeah, so you know, people um, are returning. So I mentioned around 55% on the office market. And that is actually right now the uh, most sluggish sector within downtown to rebound um, and to recover. For last month, we saw our hotel occupancy uh, get to 66%. Which is huge. Remember, we oh. were down in the single digits in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Uh, so we've seen a major rebound there. Uh, we've seen our convention center; it's going to host over 30 uh, major conventions and shows this year, which is a major driver. Arts and entertainment um, are doing very well. Sports, etc. So what we have seen is that people will come back downtown. When it is for fun, when it is for leisure, <laughs> uh, when it is for a great dinner, you know, right. um, you know. But right now, it's you know, we're still, I think, working to get more of the daytime employment back. And the reason for that is the daytime employment is such a major driver of the other elements of the economy that are very important to us. Things like small businesses, the storefront economy, and just historically, he- employees are such a big part of that. How? So we're working with. Right now, about three, three and a half days a week instead of five days a week, um, and so that mm-hmm. also changes things like spending patterns. So an employee might not be going out to lunch four or five days a week; instead, they're going out two or three. And so, what we see is willingness to pay for a nicer lunch increasing. Oh, um, okay. You know, because you know, it's the same number of dollars, you know, but they're right. just they're having PB and J at home, uh, you know, <laughs> two days a week. Uh, so so they can afford to spend a little bit more, and so that's great for some of you know of our restaurant businesses, but a lot of the grab and go businesses and other types of ones that are sort of the fast casual I think those are the ones that are slowest to rebound.
0: Oh, this is really interesting. Are things harder for downtown Houston than for other cities, downtowns? Houston has all these edge cities, these places like Uptown and the energy corridor that have their own skylines. Does our downtown have to compete with all of those?
1: So in some ways, I don't think we are competing with those other nodes, unless those nodes have something that downtown does not, right? And so if, I mean, you're not going to go see an Astros game in Uptown, right? It's just really, it's not going to happen. So if you And there's a reason
0: for hospitals to be in the Texas Medical Center.
1: Indeed, right? So I think if there is a specific use in mind uh, that someone is looking for, they're going to go to that place where that thing is. Uh, downtown. It's fortunate to have many of those items that would, you know, fill your social calendar. But I do think that the reality is that what we're competing more so with is not those places, but with things like comfort, convenience, and habit. How do we help to manage and develop that appeal uh, that makes downtown a place that you want to spend your time?
0: So how do you do that? Be specific. What does that look like?
1: It is everything from improved um, public safety. I think that that is a major determinant uh, for how people are shaping decision-making. And and for downtown, while our crime rates are, are very, very low, so is our vibrancy level. And that is, I think, a major challenge for us uh, because at the end of the day, when people are walking down a sidewalk and, and they feel like they are alone, they naturally feel vulnerable. Um, and so that is something that's top of mind for our organization is, is thinking about how we pr- improve the condition of the public realm to make it a place where more people want to be. So whether it is through public art, uh, whether it is th- through uh, improved lighting, beautification elements, thinking more creatively about how we incentivize, uh, you know, maybe innovative storefront uses. That's really where our headspace so like is.
0: like pop-ups and empty storefront sorts of things?
1: Pop-ups, okay. absolutely. Could be things like retail incubators. You know, Mm -hmm. taking maybe neighborhood businesses that are looking for an opportunity to take their goods, take their wares, take their inventions to market. You know, how do we enable downtown to be basically a playscape for much of that type of innovation that's occurring in our community? Uh, And then it's also, in some ways, it's it's getting back to basics, you know, I mean, we've got these huge drivers in downtown, things like Discovery Green, Market Square Park, um, you know, that are really receiving right now historical levels of of utilization. So our challenge as urban designers and thinking about, you know, the urban landscape is how do we enable those people to extend their stay? So they're not simply coming to Discovery Green, but we want them to be able to come and and do Discovery Green and something and something else, right? And so how do we activate the edges better around Discovery Green to encourage people to explore more of downtown, to essentially lengthen their stay and, in our world, we're talking about about it having a sticky quality to it. Um, so it's a place that you want to be mm-hmm. and you want to linger, um, and and that's really some of our thinking right now.
0: So so that if I'm walking by on a sidewalk, I see something that I want to go in.
1: That's it's that simple. I mean, it's, it's, it's,
0: it's I'm not just looking at a parking garage. It's yeah. it's
1: you see something that you want to go in. You see a place you want to stop. You see something that you know intrigues you to want to just enjoy, uh, you know, and have a gander at, um, you know, that's that's really what we're looking for.
0: This is such an inversion of the downtown that, you know, I got to know when I came to Houston a gazillion years ago. It was purely a place to work. It emptied out at five o'clock. And this sounds like almost that you're trying to attract people to come play downtown so that then they will be more likely to stick around and work.
1: It's exactly that. Um, yeah. and, and in some ways, what we know is that Houstonians want to be outside. And I know that runs counter to what a lot of people believe.
0: <laughs> and counter to the tunnel system downtown. Counter down too. <laughs> to the
1: tunnel system. But I yeah. you know, I challenge you to to take a walk in Edo, take a walk in the heights, mm-hmm. take a walk around Montrose. And what you will see is that these neighborhoods are teeming with people who are enjoying being outside. And so you have basically businesses that have adapted to be able to embrace the public realm and the outdoors. And it might not be 365 days a year, but it's, it's probably 250. Um, you know, and so that, that's a major starting point for us. And we need to look no farther than really the neighborhoods that surround downtown to see that playing out.
0: Yeah. So you just moved here in October from Hollywood. You were managing basically the Hollywood, California version of Central Houston. That's right. There's just no difference, right? Between Houston and Hollywood, they're exactly the same.
1: <laughs> there uh, are many differences between those two places. Um, uh-huh. But at the end of the day, it's, it, it still comes down to people, right? And, and cities are best when cities are designed and built to serve the people of their community. You know, Hollywood is particularly different because the proportion of visitors versus residents is, is just an upside down equation. Uh, so who Hollywood is for is a major tension point, um, you know, within Hollywood because it's locals versus visitors. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Whereas, uh-huh. whereas Houston, I think the competition is a little different. It's, it's more so about the idea of what downtown was for maybe 30, 20, 10 years ago versus the idea of who downtown is for moving forward. And we've already seen, you know, a significant diversification of land uses, to be able to transform that idea of the historical definition as a central business district into something that it's becoming, which is more of a neighborhood district you know, with a significant workforce population. But the more different kinds of people that our downtown can appeal to um, and include into basically our area, the healthier it will be. Oh, that's interesting.
0: I wanted to ask about one specific building. One of our CityCast listeners, Matt Lanza, asked what is going on with the old Days Inn building next to the downtown Y. It's that 30-story eyesore that hasn't had glass in the windows in decades, the one that's covered in graffiti tags.
1: I have, you know, in my few months on the job so far, I've already had multiple conversations about it. We'd love to see it transformed into something like affordable housing or some other type of land use that meets a need within downtown. But what we know is that it's available and it's for sale.
0: And it has been for 20 years.
1: <laughs> I think that yeah. a lot of development teams have um, have taken a swing at it and have tried to figure it out. It is a, one of a couple of eyesores um, that we are particularly focused on next year.
0: Yeah. What has you excited right now about downtown? What's the best thing you're thinking about?
1: You know, I, I really think it is um, a couple of things. Number one, it is The fact that there is this renewed optimism for getting back to something that feels like a new normal at the very least. But now it's, I think, the evolution of of thinking through our more tactical approach um, internally about, you know, what are we doing on a block by block basis, you know, to help to stitch together all of the opportunities around downtown? Because, you know, I almost think about this as like a patchwork quilt in a way where you've got all these pieces of a quilt that exist, but what we're lacking is really the stitching that knits them all together. Um, and so while you have the ballpark, while you have the Toyota Center, while you have Discovery Green, while you have the office towers, etc., it's really those spaces in between where we need the most improvement. Um, and to me, that's terribly exciting because that's work that we can do fast.
0: So what would specifics, what would that be? What can you do? specifically to encourage me on, just pick a block. What's a block that you can really affect?
1: Well, one of the projects that, you know, we're mm-hmm. excited to, to t- start talking about is this major uh, mural initiative. So we've got more than a handful of murals uh, that we're hoping to deliver in the near term. And that will help us to transform entire blank walls of buildings um, into something that not only conveys a thematic uh, representation of the community, but is also something that helps to distract your mind as you're moving throughout the downtown. And that is- And is
0: maybe even selfie worthy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yeah. These,
1: these will be more impressive than a pair of wings <laughs> uh, on the side of a building. I can assure you that.
0: Can't wait to see that. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for talking with us.
1: Thank you, Lisa. This is a lot of fun.
0: That was Chris Larson from Central Houston. And now I'm here with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell, what is it that you said is going on with the Houston Texans?
2: Thank you, Lisa. Well, according to at least one local writer, the Texans did very well in the draft this weekend. John McClain, who's correspondent now to the Houston Chronicle, he's covered the team for a really long time. And he says that ownership made some really great moves this year. They addressed every single need save for getting an edge rusher. Among the notable new Texan team members, Texas A&M star Kenyon Green, LSU defensive back Derek Stingley Jr., and John Mechie, the third from Alabama. But the one making a lot of noise this weekend was Damian Pierce, running back from Florida, who is going to be asked to improve what has been basically a non-existent running game for the Texans. Houston was only one of four teams in the NFL that McLean gave the grade A or higher. The only team to score higher than the Texans was the Jets with an A+.
0: That is it for our show today. If you don't already, get our newsletter every morning, sign up for it. It's free. It's good. It is at houston.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye. He could talk about the nodes. (laughs) That sounds like something that gets infected, a node.